Hi everyone, welcome back to the Now Bali podcast. Eddie Spears here, but you won't be hearing from me today as we bring you another special episode from our publisher, Alistair Spears. In this opinion piece, Alistair shares his thoughts on business ethics and tourism in the time of COVID-19 in Bali and Indonesia. He touches on why, in these difficult times, it is the absolute responsibility of business owners and leaders to help those most vulnerable. So, without further ado, our episode today, Tourism, Business Ethics and COVID-19. Enjoy the show. Hello again. This is Alistair Spears, the publisher of Now Jakarta and Now Bali magazine and the chairman of MVB Sustainability, coming to you with another podcast in the time of COVID crisis. And this indeed is a podcast about tourism and the ethics of COVID crisis. The travel industry is certainly one of the hardest hit sectors of the Indonesian economy as we come to the end of month two of the work from home social distancing period that marks the real beginning of this COVID crisis. There are hotels, resorts, villas and restaurants all over the archipelago, fully or mostly closed, with staff sent home on half, third or some zero salaries. According to PHRI chairman, the Hotel Owners Group, Hariadi Sukamdani, most of his members cannot afford to pay their employees' salaries anymore and hoped that government intervention through the pre-employment card, reduced taxes and water charges would kick in soon to keep the hotel industry afloat. This was reported in Jakarta Post and also in a tourism forum. They also hoped to defer health care and social security payments, the BPJS, and the Edel Fitri bonuses, THR, as well as get incentives for electricity bills and soft loans from banks to cover other costs. A serious long list of necessities after just two months of downturn. What my questions to the industry are, therefore, what have you done with your profits? And what have you done with your principles? According to my favourite company mission statement, the Johnson & Johnson Credo, written astonishingly in 1943, this simply states, Reserves must be created to provide for adverse times. And without too much analysis, we can assume these are adverse times. Now, hotels, certainly in Bali, have been making reasonable profits for a number of years. Yes, with some dips from Mount Agung eruptions and a few other distractions. And those profits would normally be between two and three times the annual wage bill, at a very rough rule of thumb. For example, a hotel may make $500,000 per month profit and spend about 250000 on staff salaries. My question is therefore, should that hotel be asking for a subsidy when it could easily pay its entire workforce for at least six months off last year's profits alone? Where are the reserves for adverse times? Why should the employees, especially the lowest ranked daily workers, bear the cost of the crises 
rather than the owners. This surely is a serious moral question rather than a financial one. There may be more, but so far I have only heard of one major hotel owner who has said, keep on all the staff. It's not their fault. I will pay the bills. There may be more, but I think it's probably the small family-owned hotels who are doing this, and the restaurants and smaller businesses where the employees are very much part of the family. I know that is how I feel and how we are acting as a company. We will hang on as long as we can. So is making, then preserving profits, the only reason for being in business? Where are the much-vaunted moral principles and ethical standards that we hear bandied about? Where are the brand values that all the major hotels espouse so dearly? We understand that everything has its limits, but have yet to see those limits being stretched to breaking point. We need much more positive action during these hard times. We need training programs conducted online to upgrade the skills of all the so-called furloughed employees. We need competing um, ideas amongst the employees for suggestions to improve products or services when business resumes. And I know employees are dying to contribute those. We need inventive ideas to engage them and motivate them. And the hotels themselves should renovate and upgrade during this downtime. I know some are, but we should ask them to create more sustainable practices. Installing solar panels and thermal insulation, for example. Creating new wastewater recycling processes. Getting rid of all plastic and single-use items across the board. Planting gardens and orchards to increase self-reliance on homegrown products. Maybe even putting in fish ponds. And communicating with all their suppliers to do the same things. Maybe all this is happening, but I haven't heard enough. I want to be proven wrong and to proudly say that the Indonesian hotel owners have done a fantastic job looking after their employees, creating more sustainable facilities and becoming more self-reliant. Please, someone, everyone, come back to me with the good news so that we can welcome the world back to a world-beating tourism industry, fully energised, motivated, recharged, restored, renovated and ready to take on the most demanding of visitors. Now, why, you may ask, am I hitting so hard on Indonesian hotel owners rather than the managers or government departments? There is a reason, and I will return to the other two groups later as well. Indonesia is a capitalist state and according to some measures, has been heading on the wrong direction for some time. We are all painfully aware, or should be, of the US's appalling income inequality, with the top 1% of the population owning 40% of the nation's wealth, roughly 29 trillion US dollars, and the bottom 50% owning only 0.4%, or 0.2 trillion US dollars. That is serious inequality. But did you know that in Indonesia it is nearly as bad, and in some measures even worse, with the top four wealthiest Indonesians being richer than the poorest 100 million? Here the top 1% own 49% of the wealth, while 93 million still live on less than $3.50 per day. That's about 55,000 rupiah. 
again unjustifiable inequality, inequality that has worsened over recent years. I assure you that among the top 10% and certainly among the top 1%, there are hotel owners who have assented or even requested that their staff be sent home on a percentage of salary. That's why I'm upset. There surely is no need to do that. But let's go back to the hotel managers who have been skillfully creating the profits for the owners under management contracts that do not seem to include provisions for these adverse times, even for their own contracts, which in many cases have not been paid. And they should have those provisions in there. Those contracts should include staff care provisions and force majeure clauses for crises like these. Why? Because we have more of them than virtually any other country. Those contracts should demand that the owners make their properties safe and secure, energy and water efficient, non-polluting and as sustainable as possible. That building regulations and ratios are followed and the environment and the community safeguarded. But they don't. They are all about ROI. The great return on investment which rules everything. Please take five minutes to read the Johnson & Johnson credo and see if your company values match those world-beating standards. They're pretty hard to match. Finally, the government's role. I was delighted to tune in to the Indonesian Tourism Forum's webinar recently, and while a lot of completely irrelevant information wasted our time, the excellent contribution by Ibu Giri Andarayani of the Ministry of Tourism and Creative Economy was worth waiting for. She told us that there will be a social safety net for the tourism industry, and the budgets will be relocated to assist tourism workforce, Lots of good ideas, but what I particularly liked was her plan to improve destinations to be better. The new normal, as she called it, after COVID. This is something I've been talking about and I think we have to address very, very seriously. Make things better during the downtime. Her credo was clean, safe, hygienic and creative. Bravo! I await how that will be done, since most of the power is at the Kabupaten level, but the ideas are certainly there. She also wants rebranding to reflect these new destination standards and values. Bravo again! But she wanted to start with the most affected markets. Sorry, Ibugiri, you need to start with the most important. Bali for leisure, Jakarta for business, Jogja for culture so that our business recovers quickest. But her most striking point was that she asked us to change the marketing strategy away from mass low-level tourism to tourism that will respect and preserve culture and nature. Fantastic. My third bravo. I really hope she can do it. But if the default marketing program reverts to the same numbers, same numbers-based clubbing, pubbing and shopping crowd, she has a major struggle on her hands. Thanks for listening. I hope that you will tune in again to Now Jakarta and Now Bali's podcasts on tourism, on life, on the environment, on sustainability, on everything. Thanks for listening. The 
listening to another Now Bali podcast. We are out with a new episode every single Monday, available on all major podcast platforms from iTunes, Spotify to Google Play. So follow us on there for the latest. Otherwise, you can subscribe to our mailing list as well to receive the episode in your inbox. This has been a special episode featuring Alistair Spears. I'm Eddie. See you next time. Thank you.